0: Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Practice Makes Faithful podcast. Uh, I'm Ben Patterson, and I'm joined here, as always, by Paul Hugomart
1: Yeah, good morning, Ben. Good to see you here.
0: Yes, sir. Good to see you. And uh, we are in what is actually episode 17. I think I said last week was episode 17, but there's a kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: we it was... celebrated it, too. It was like, yeah.
0: episode 17 yeah. <laughs> next week.
1: Yeah, exactly. So exactly. The real episode 17, please stand up. Here we are. Yep. That's right. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's a deep cut. Well, I, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, episode 17, Practice Makes Faithful. We are starting a new series today called Under Pressure on 1 Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about this series. What is Under Pressure? What's this about? And
1: yeah. why 1 Thessalonians? Yeah, so so in this letter, which which is actually interestingly enough, probably the the Apostle Paul's first letter. So he he planted, established this church along with another kind of ministry partners of his. Um, in his second, during his second ministry journey, mm-hmm. or missionary journey, uh, they were subsequently run out of town basically mm-hmm. as, uh, as there's controversy and tension over the message of Jesus, both uh, from those who would have been uh, Jewish folks meeting in the synagogues, and then from kind of the, the Greek town magistrates in the town of Thessalonica. So they're chased out of town. Uh, what's wild is that after these guys are chased out of town, you would have figured, well, that's the, that's the end of the church in Thessalonica. That's when they crumble. Uh, but what we actually find out is that um, after they leave, Paul and the, the guy he was with named Silas, um, there, there is this flourishing church that develops and emerges in this town of Thessalonica. But the same struggle that the apostle Paul faced and that Silas, his, uh, his buddy, his partner in ministry faced, now the church is facing, mm-hmm. but from their own people. So it's one thing to okay. you know be running through town and. You know, come and preach something, and then run run out of town, and you don't live there. But it's a whole other thing when this is the place where you live. Yeah, yeah. And so, in the place where you live, you're now facing pressure, uh, scrutiny for the the type of uh, life that you're living for uh, the, mm-hmm. this new, mm-hmm. developing, and emerging cu- culture—the culture that centers around Christ—that uh, the Thessalonican Christians were were establishing. Now, um, I think. That you know, this is a timely series in that it it parallels a lot of I think our struggle in 21st century America as as uh, as Christians as well is that we are now also under pressure in the place where we live, and so I think that's why you know this is a you know I think a, a series that will have a lot to say for our current struggle. Um, it also just happens to pair really well with some of the themes that we we normally kind of celebrate and mm-hmm, talk about mm-hmm. this month also. So we've got. Mother's Day next weekend, and then we'll have what we call Milestone Celebration Day mm-hmm. as we celebrate both the babies that have been born through that year and then also our graduating seniors here mm-hmm. at Grace Chapel and the messages, that the, the topics, the themes just line up really well. Um, and so just a, a series that I think made sense, but also then one again that's timely as we are more and more as Christians finding ourselves under pressure from the culture around us, under scrutiny about the things that we believe and hold dear, some of those things which are core and central to who we are, our Christian identity.
0: Yeah. Now, Paul, I... i do have a hard question that i have to ask you before you can go any further okay as the title <laughs> under pressure did yes. this come from the queen song
1: did this come from the queen song was well, actually queen and david bowie together eh, yeah so he i'm a millennial but, i wouldn't know yeah well you know uh, no <laughs> it didn't in my fact timeout. i almost ran from the title yeah. <laughs> because, I, because we would be under pressure to be thinking about yeah, uh, yeah. about that song. Uh, I had to. It The Elephant so, in the Room.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah,
1: we know the song. That's the one. Yeah, The Elephant <laughs> in the Room, I know. Yep. Big queen sized elephant. <laughs> All right, so tell,
0: tell us specifically about yesterday's message. Kind of where, where'd we start with this idea?
1: Yeah, so, um, so we were in the, the first chapter of this uh, Thessalonian letter, the first Thessalonian letter, um, and there's just so much good, so much richness in this text, this particular text. I mean, the Apostle Paul starts out, as he often would, with a greeting, but then he jumps right into praising them and thanking God for mm-hmm. the way they were living and responding, and he says some very important things that really are gonna set the stage for the rest of what we talk about this month.
2: Mm -hmm. The way
1: they were engaging, uh, Paul says, was motivated by three things. It was motivated by the love that they had, Mm -hmm. then by faith, and then also by hope so faith hope and love that's also obviously a big theme of the apostle paul's in first uh, corinthians 13. he mm-hmm. talks about him in a little bit different order here he talks about faith and then he talks, talks about love and then he talks about hope um, And in first corinthians 13 he talks about faith hope and love but the, but the same big three themes mm-hmm. um, and, and says these are the things that were moving you are moving you to live and act the way you do and so he talks about faith that produces the work, right? The work produced mm-hmm. by your faith, in a sense, the labor prompted by your love and the endurance inspired by your hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, so that's where we began talking about those three themes yesterday, and really saying that is what made the Philippians, I'm sorry, the Thessalonian Christians, the people they were. And out of that, the way they were living under extreme pressure. And when we talk about pressure. Um, we're talking about true persecution that they were facing, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so just for an example, as an example, uh, we know that, you know, again, the apostle Paul and Silas were were run out of town for the message they were preaching. The way that occurs, we see in Acts chapter 17, they had been staying in the house of this guy named Jason who became sympathetic to the message they were preaching and seems to become a follower of Jesus in that time. So they're staying in Jason's home, the magistrates of the town go to Jason's home looking for Paul and Silas, don't find them there. So what do they do? They drag Jason out of his home, right? Or is the Jews go looking for Paul and Silas. They don't find them there. So they drag Jason out of the home to face the magistrates of the town with the accusation that the message that Paul and Silas were preaching, and of course then Jason harboring Paul and Silas, was a message that was anti-Rome.
2: Mm-hmm
1: anti mm-hmm. the kingship of the lordship of caesar in a sense and so um you know that's that's how the church in, in thessalonica you know is launched in a sense with yeah. this controversy and it was anti rome <laughs>
0: because they were hailing jesus as king jesus right is Not king. jesus
1: is lord that's yeah. right and so if if jesus is lord and if um you know if if jesus is king then that means that someone else uh, no one else can be in that sense.
0: Would they have just misunderstood <clears throat> that? or was that really like for the Roman Emperor, would that really yeah. have been like uh, next to sedition?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the reality of the Roman emperors is they wanted no no uh, competition, yeah, whatsoever. They wanted your full allegiance, and so what we're talking so even just about saying, is saying the that Jesus is king, they're not giving their tax That's dollars
0: right. to Jesus. They're still yes. paying their taxes and all yes. that.
1: Even just saying That's right. that there's another king would yeah. be a grave offense. Yes, one hundred percent. So, in, in okay. fact, you know. Um, It it was well known, especially the moment of baptism, was this moment, and it was a a great little book uh, written by uh, a friend of mine named Matthew Bates, and we can put this in the show notes. Um, I think this one is called Salvation by Allegiance. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a blue cover, again, I'll link it in the show notes. We'll have a couple other books we'll link in the show Mm -hmm. notes, too, Uh, but but Matthew talks about the fact that, um, that at that moment of baptism, what was actually happening is you were pledging your allegiance to God, and it's 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 a it's a lifestyle, it's a gospel allegiance, gospel allegiance, yeah, gospel allegiance, yeah. gospel allegiance. Um, so that's the one with the blue cover. Um, and so you're, you're pledging your allegiance yeah. to Jesus from here on forward. And in pledging your allegiance to Jesus, that meant you were untying your allegiance or uncoupling your allegiance to the Roman Empire mm-hmm. in a sense. So Rome and its empire were were an imposed culture and a way of living. Now they they allowed certainly uh they allowed you to maintain the elements of your culture that that didn't encroach upon rome's right to be number one but if anything would have gone counter to that that was out of bounds Mm -hmm. and so when you got to the place where you're saying that jesus is lord you you 100 are saying my allegiance now belongs to a new king yeah so so yeah, I mean it was super subversive, and so the Jews knew that. And I mean in Acts 17, what it, what we see this is, is this, you know. So Acts 17:5 says, "But the other, this was when Paul and Silas were there. Uh, the the other Jews were jealous. Okay, so it was out of jealousy. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace." They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. I mean, that's the response they have to Mm. Paul's preaching. So (laughs) then what they do is this. They go and they make their case against the the magistrates, the city officials, uh, shouting this. These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are defying Caesar's decrees, right? So defying the decrees of Caesar. Now, was there truth in this to some degree? Absolutely, there was were they also using this truth and making it, I don't know, maybe bigger than it was or or, or maybe leveraging this truth, we could at least say, mm-hmm. in a way that, that would go against what Paul and Silas were doing. So yeah, absolutely. So they're defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so that's defying the decree of mm-hmm. Caesar, saying that there's another king, one called Jesus. And so, um, I mean, at that point, the, the whole crowd and the city officials were thrown into a turmoil, is what Luke says. And so that was the start. That was the launching of the church in Thessalonica. And that pattern continued on into the time that Paul is writing to them, so much so that now he's saying, look, we know the reality is this. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. This is now out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. "...and of the Lord, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit." So saying, Mm -hmm. the suffering that we were about to face at the hands of both the Jewish leaders in the synagogue and of the city officials, you now face, Mm -hmm. and you're facing it daily. Mm -hmm. But by doing that, I mean, the Apostle Paul celebrates the Thessalonican Christians and says, by doing that... You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. I mean, those are huge words. Mm -hmm. You became a model to all these folks. You became an example to all these folks of what it looks like to live faithful lives Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. under pressure, Mm -hmm. in the midst of for them, true persecution. But then again, the parallel for us, because I don't know that you could go so far as to say that in the in, in the American church, we're facing persecution yeah but we are facing pressure yeah and ever mounting pressures to sometimes not believe the things we believe Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or certainly not to say out loud the things Mm -hmm. we believe Mm -hmm. in any way that might challenge what someone else would believe and so you know that's that's uh, that's where we were yesterday um, you know as we walked through this first message in this series Uh, and just again a, a lot of application for us um, definitely in in our current reality in this cultural mm-hmm. moment.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's really helpful. Um, and I, I just like I just like how you explained and kind of unpacked what that looked like in that culture of um, of saying Jesus King because I think it's, it is mm-hmm. it is different in our culture mm-hmm. in that that wouldn't we live in a culture generally with free speech being. Right honored and yeah, you know, maybe it would be a problem if uh, our government might be upset if I stopped paying my taxes. But sure. if I were to say that, you know, Jeff Bezos is actually our president, I don't think anyone right. would really care. Uh, I can say I can say whatever crazy. I want, but if that's I gotta right. if I start doing it'd be more of the behavior. So I just think that's interesting yeah. in that different cultural context that just saying that Jesus is King was such a Yes.
1: Such an offense. Yeah, let, let's actually use your example. you know, I think if um, if you were to go around and start claiming that Jeff Bezos was actually president, you know, I think people would wonder Bare where you're coming from. You know, that's and, and my new conspiracy. It's your, your new thing. <laughs> yeah, the nope. birds aren't real, Ben. Um, you know, so <clears throat> um, you know, if if you started believing that, you know. Or, or living like Jeff Bezos was actually president, I'm not really sure what, what about your life would it actually change, you know? No. I don't know that it would change all that much. Um, you know, and, and again, we would have actual factual claims to be able to come to you and show you, nope, Jeff Bezos is not president. <laughs> Neither did he run for president, <laughs> at least not yet, right? Um, but <clears throat> for the Thessalonican Christians, and for all who were claiming allegiance to Jesus in the first century, there were definite markers upon their lives once they had made that proclamation and given their allegiance to jesus Mm -hmm. um, and and gone against the decree of caesar that there could be no other king Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean so it it was a game changer Mm -hmm. so their lives changed in dramatic ways Um, and so i think you know even for us within our current culture that ought to be true when we say jesus is king what we're saying is, again, there is no other king. And that has implications. That means culture is not king. Yeah. That means other worldviews can't be king. That means whoever is the president can't be king. Mm-hmm. You know, all these, uh, Jesus is king. Mm-hmm. So he is mm-hmm. then, we're saying he is the ultimate authority. We kind of uh, touch back on uh, Matthew 28 during the message just real quick to, to, as a reminder to say, remember in Matthew 28, right before Jesus gives the Great Commission, his words are all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me.
0: So in some sense, do you think that, do you think in our culture, is it equally as subversive as it was to say Jesus is king?
1: Um, it, it is certainly intended to have a, an equal effect in the changes it yeah. renders in our lives. Is it as subversive? mean, not the same government
0: response, because we are living in right. a freer society, right. but
1: yeah. Yeah, so, so we kind of have this, um, you know, this is, this is sort of uh, maybe the secular and, and somewhat like the postmodern ethic mm-hmm. to some degree is, do whatever you want as long as you don't harm someone else. In fact, that's almost mm-hmm. supposed to be the governing factor in morality, mm-hmm. right? Do whatever you want as long as it doesn't harm someone else, and then I don't care. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do X, as long as X behavior doesn't harm the rest of the, the folks around you or, or even anyone around you, then whatever X is, it's just fine. Mm-hmm. But as soon as X behavior becomes harmful to others, then, well, you don't have a right to do that. Now, we can uh, we can accept the line that I think many in, in our culture uh, are, are proffering as it relates to uh, faith, any faith whatsoever, is that your faith is a personal thing. Mm-hmm. And you can practice whatever you want in your, as far as your faith is concerned, as long as you don't try to influence mm-hmm. others, right? Mm-hmm. And so even that's you know, we talked about forty forty-seven percent of millennial Christians think that it's actually wrong or unethical to share your mm-hmm. faith, right? So buying into that idea that don't don't take this and share this with others. You just this is your thing, it's your personal thing. Um, it's when the things that we believe, so when we talk about subversive. Uh, more than anything we're subverting culture because we're saying yes to the culture of Jesus. So whatever the culture around us is, where the culture around us does not line up with the things of Jesus, the way we live is going to stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. And and we're supposed to. I mean again, we, we talk in scripture, you know, Peter the, uh, first Peter by the way, you know, you're strangers and aliens, right? I mean, other these other calls upon our lives to be different from those around us in a radically different way. Jesus says if if this world hated me, the world will hate you as well. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, so these are the truths and realities about us. So yes, we're we're going to live, and the expectation is, when you say yes to Jesus, you're going to be saying no to other things in a way that's going to cause them at minimum discomfort from time to time, mm-hmm. um, and at maximum, it may cause them to turn around and treat you poorly, even to the point of persecution.
0: So, if the modern 21st century church. Mm-hmm. If we are, we're under pressure as mm-hmm. well. And there are pressures of things that we're saying uh-huh. no to. There are, uh, there are these things. So what are, what are some of these pressures that we're yeah. uniquely facing in this day and age?
1: Yeah, I think many of those pressures would revolve around the idea of uh, morality and ethics. Okay. Um, you know, some may uh, some may find other expressions. Um, you know, there there may be a, a battle at some point in some way that rages in kind of the, the apologetics world where we're trying to defend the faith that we believe in in reasonable ways. Uh, and, and so you may say, well, there are attacks coming at us from, uh, from naturalists, right? People who believe that there can only be a natural explanation for the things that we see. Uh, but most of those um, most of those, I think we can find reasonable ways to fend those off and and they can become more than intellectual battles and arguments. They can get to where those can be pretty emotional at times but not the way that the ones over morality and ethics tend mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, so the truth is <laughs> I, all throughout the pages of Scripture whether we go to the Ten Commandments to begin with, or follow the laws throughout Leviticus that were given to the people of Israel and others that came at other times, or we go to the Sermon on the Mount and see the way that Jesus instructs us and calls us to live, or Paul's directions to the church, uh, the churches that he was addressing in the first century, talking about the, the way that we ought to live as people of God. All throughout Scripture are these guidelines and basically guideposts for the types, the type of lives that people who truly follow Jesus or follow God before, you know, Jesus came to earth, that the people of God, we can just say the way the people mm-hmm. of God will live mm-hmm. all throughout scripture. And so uh, there are, uh, I think, moral implications, you know, if you think about the, the, the Ten Commandments, we could divide those into two groups, the way we are, are intended to engage uh, in our relationship with God mm-hmm. and the way we're intended to engage in our relationship with others. Mm-hmm. And some of those are about, you know, the fact that we shouldn't steal. I mean, you shouldn't steal no matter what.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, some of those involve, um, you know, uh, sexual ethics, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and certainly in the New Testament, we see a lot of guidance about sexual ethics. That, that happens to be probably one of the places where we as Christ followers are most under pressure right now yeah Um, is in the sexual ethics that that we put forward Mm -hmm. you know for Mm -hmm. example saying that you know hey we could just sum up god's sexual ethic this way to say that that sexual expression is intended to exist within the bounds and only within the bounds of marriage between a man and a woman Mm -hmm. that that's the only place that god intends for sexual expression to exist However, you know there are lots of places where the culture around us is saying, you know, that's old and archaic Right, I mean that's just old and archaic stuff What is it if two people decide to live together before marriage and decide to uh, be sexually engaged before marriage? Mm -hmm. Yeah, why in the world why in the world would would any God even if there is a God have a right to speak into that Mm -hmm. and so There was a time where the church was saying uh, no, that's that's not okay and the world was pushing back on that and now even that message we we don't talk about that much honestly within the church that no sex is intended sexual expression is intended to 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 be expressed again only within a marriage between a man and a woman after they're married Mm -hmm. not before Mm -hmm. they're married Um, you know i mean uh, the idea of uh, divorce is a tough one in in our society you mean to tell me that two people shouldn't get divorced if they get to the point where they just don't like each other anymore? They're, they're supposed to work real hard at it and, and work it out. You mean, it's not okay for me to divorce my wife if I find another woman that I, that I just happen to like more and I mm-hmm. think I could rather be with her and maybe I feel like she's my soulmate. And it's, you know, again, so it's very feelings-driven yeah. Yeah. in that. Um, you mean that uh, sexuality is only intended to be expressed in a heterosexual fashion? Mm-hmm. And all these things are are places where we, based upon the Word of God, are taking a stance as followers of Jesus, and in this culture, we're going to get pushback. Mm-hmm. You know, and and there are all sorts of cultural euphemisms that are now uh, being advanced to talk about, uh, maybe to push back, and even make us as Christ followers look like we're taking the immoral stance.
0: Yeah. yeah. For
1: example, if you if, you know if you are um, pro, you know, let's say if you embrace pro-gay theology, whether you be in the church or you're outside of the church and it's not even a theological question whatsoever, it's just a question of, yeah, we we should all celebrate this. This is just, this is two people who love each other. The expression that's come out of that is love is love, Mm -hmm. right? So love is love. The two people love each other. How can you possibly say no to two people who love each other being together? Mm -hmm. Um, and the reality is we could think of plenty of other places where two people who love each other shouldn't be together. I mean, you know, if, imagine if I came home and, you know, told my wife this evening, hey, I've fallen in love with somebody else. And so that means I need to go be with this person that I now love. My wife would look at me and say, no, that's not right. And yeah. everybody here yeah. at the church would look at me and say, wait a minute, what just happened to our preacher? Yeah. yeah. He left his, what? Well, well, but I loved, I loved this other woman. So I decided I loved her. So mm-hmm. I, I needed to leave mm-hmm. my wife. And that's... So, love is love, right? Mm-hmm. But we know that that doesn't work, right? So, there are plenty of other places. It's not just picking on one group of people, it's saying, yeah. no, look, this is a reality. We know that love is love, it's just, it doesn't fit, it doesn't work. But, but yet, that is certainly what the culture around us will use. Or, you know, kind of the, the argument right now that centers around women's rights, and anytime someone in culture uses the phrase women's rights, you know, automatically what they're talking about. You know, and sometimes they'll even add in the next word, the women's reproductive rights, mm-hmm. which means that you know that at any point in time, if you know, if I wind up pregnant, I should have the right to terminate that pregnancy and not worry about it whatsoever. You know, so you think about like, uh, you know, uh, was it ten years ago the shout your abortion campaign, which was actually you know began by uh, by a lady who was saying my abortion made me happy.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it gave me freedom. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and so we 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 come to a place where, if we in the church were to push back on that and say, "Wait a minute, that's a life that you took," just because you wanted to feel happy. You know, I mean, the reality with God is, you know, he he allows us to make our own choices. But now we're at the place where we want to go beyond that and not just choose our choices, we want to choose our consequences as well yeah. and the lack of them in places. And so you know, for, for us as a church to stand up and say, and, and we ought to be, again, and we've, we've had this discussion numerous times, we ought to be holistic in our view of what it means to be pro-life, mm-hmm. but we definitely ought to be pro-life in the sense that we look at abortion and say, wait a minute, elective abortion we gotta, we gotta speak straight about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're taking a life just because we, we think that it, it would be inconvenient to mm-hmm. be a mom. And, and, and certainly, let's not, take a, let's not just take the focus off of, uh, <laughs> of, of ladies, I mean, it's, it's also dads. We've got a, a major, major problem in our society of, of, of fatherlessness. Mm-hmm. So moms who decided to be faithful and raise a child, but they're doing it on their own, um, and scripture would have plenty plenty to say about that as well and so again there are all these things you know where we as the church culturally if we're going to speak out or if we're going to speak out within this culture we're going to face pressure as things are changing rapidly I I, I showed yesterday kind of a diagram of the the Gallup survey that came out uh, the Gallup poll that came out in 2021 talking about and we'll link that study as well talking about how rapidly things are changing as it relates to sexual ethics, and, and, and this was in particular the, uh, the LGBTQ question. Um, you know, and so you, we've got different generations. We know those different generations. We have the gener- uh, traditionalists, then you've got the boomers, uh, then what's next is it Gen X, then you've got the millennial generation, now Gen Z, and looking at um, the percentage of people that say uh, that they are they, uh, that will identify themselves as LGBTQ, part of the LGBTQ crowd, with the traditionalists which is the, the one before the boomers so we sometimes call them the greatest generation now called the traditionalists uh, it was 0.8 percent of that generation that identified or still identifies of, of those that are living still uh, as lgbtq uh, and, and we've gone we've increased by 20 percent with now the gen z generation by that poll now 28 percent or 20.8 percent uh, but we have some others that are saying the current crowd that is between 18 and 24, which does correspond with a portion of that Gen Z, I think, crowd, mm-hmm. um, identifying as now 39%. Mm-hmm. I, I was uh, having a conversation this past week with uh, with somebody who was talking about some research that is that is about to be released that, that was in uh, in relation to middle schoolers, saying that roughly 31 or 32% of middle schoolers, when questioned, are identifying uh, as LGBTQ at this, por- this, this point in time. And, and the really interesting thing about some of this, and so we talk about un- being under pressure. Again, being under pressure within this culture is is for those middle schoolers, what came out, what comes out of that uh, that study is the understanding that um, if you want to not be seen as someone who's judgmental or or as a hater is the kind of the term, right? Mm-hmm. So hating someone mm-hmm. else because of what they're doing if you want to be seen as someone who's not a hater it's not enough anymore to affirm to even affirm a behavior and a lifestyle choice Mm -hmm. you now have to go beyond affirmation to it was celebration at one point in time so we're going to celebrate the, the the lifestyle choices that someone is making now that's not enough anymore now you actually have to go to the place of participation and so there's this question about is this the reason we're seeing the rise in numbers, because mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. you know, we use the illustration. Let's say you know you're a teenager and you're at a party and everybody else is drinking, and you're deciding, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, as though that alcohol is passed around and you choose, I'm not going to do this. Uh, you may get someone who looks at you and say, well, wh- what's wrong with you? You think there's something wrong with us and wrong with what we're doing. And mm-hmm. so by not participating, you're you're seen as judging those other folks. And it's one thing when you know, you're abstaining from alcohol, but now we're talking about uh, sexual behavior that has for years been considered kind of out of the norm, right? But if you don't participate in this, now you're seen as someone who is judging others who do and who, mm-hmm. who live that mm-hmm. lifestyle. So we've gone from once affirmation was the standard for to not, not being seen as someone who hated other people. Now it's, you know, what became celebration and then now it's actually participation. Um, and, and so, when you think about that type of pressure you know can you imagine the pressure for a middle schooler to at one point in time have to say okay well i'll, I'll affirm that kind of behavior then the next level of pressure to celebrate that kind of behavior then the next level of pressure to participate in mm-hmm. a kind of behavior mm-hmm. so it, it's just uh, i mean we are we are facing very real pressures um, our our kids are yeah, we are as adults as well, and as church yeah. leaders, we're facing pressures. by, by the way, not well, but, just from from outside of the church, but from within the church mm-hmm, as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, th- we could probably we could go around and talk about that yeah. all day. We could go through sure. a huge list of things. Just mm-hmm. a couple things. I, I know we've talked about nationalism before yeah. as another pressure. I think is on is yes. on the church to conform to that. We could talk about different racial issues of yes. uh, pressure to either. Redefine it in a negative way, or to just stay complacent and not—that's right. Um, I mean, just there, yeah, there are the so many
1: from, from multiple angles. Yeah, ways, I think exactly and I right. I
0: do want to be clear on that. That uh, a couple of those issues we talked about are both generally seen on one one side yes. of the political aisle. Generally, right. talks about it, but I think we can see that both ways. Yeah, both ways too. There are other issues of something like nationalism that maybe yes. goes in the other direction yep. that is also another pressure of yeah, the church. Yeah, there's
1: no doubt. I mean, if, if you go back into, let's say uh, let's say the, the, the time of the pandemic, the height of the pandemic, think about around June uh, of 2020 when the George Floyd stuff happened. I can mm-hmm. remember here at our church, and I can remember talking with so many church leaders, they were losing people on both sides of the political aisle and both mm-hmm. sides of the cultural aisle, one, because they were asking people to wear masks to church, and overwhelmingly, People who were kind of uh, who leaned politically right, Mm -hmm. it was unfashionable in a sense, almost. And and you were, I mean, the the the, I mean, we saw multiple polls that confirmed this. If you wore a mask, you were assumed to be a Democrat, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: right? But if on the other side of it, uh, the uh, the other side of what we were dealing with, if in any way, shape, or form, you were coming out and you were saying. Man, I want to hear. I want to hear about the pain of our our African American brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were also assumed to immediately be a Democrat. You know, so wherever you landed, you had these. Well, these these issues are now putting you on the left right away. It's like, oh no, here we are as a church. We're saying you no. Know, we, we think it's wise to protect people. Yeah, and we also think it's wise to say, man, we we want to hear from our. African-American brothers and sisters. Yep. Now, on the flip side of this, you know, so of course, you know, you're immediately woke if you if you wanted to do that. You know, if we now stand and we say, listen, um, and, and I mean, many churches are under pressure right now from some groups to affirm critical theory. And if we look at critical theory and say, well, there's just some things about critical theory that seem like they're antithetical to the gospel. I can't affirm that. Then, the, then you are immediately thought to be again, uh, someone who could be a person who is a hater. So you know we're face, facing pressures from yeah. both sides, and we're so, one side you're going to be woke, and the other side you're going to be a hater, mm-hmm. right? And it's like we, we just want to be the people of Jesus. And and that's I think all I just, we want to be.
0: I bring that up to so say I think it's helpful to clarify this isn't a Republican or Democrat no. issue in any that's way. Exactly it's not right. that. The Democratic Party is putting the pressure on yeah. the righteous Republicans or vice versa. It's, yes. it's not, That's right. this is a Christian issue and it's very, it is very complex. Right. And it is, it does seem like there are some unique pressures yes. on the church today. But for what sure. we can see for sure is that it's not unique for the church to be under pressure. Right. Maybe it's different now. There's different things now that may have not been an issue 100 years ago, but it's not new for the church to be that's under right. pressure. That's right. And one of the things you talked about in this message is that the church in Thessalonica, am yeah, I saying that right? That's right. right. Yeah, <laughs> the church in Thessalonica did remain faithful to Jesus yeah. through this pressure. So I guess my question then would be is what does that look like for us today to be faithful to Jesus? Jesus despite the pressures that we're undergoing and yeah I imagine we could probably have a hour-long conversation yeah, on each sure of could. those issues of what it means to be faithful to Jesus in light
1: of those but maybe just yeah. more
0: generally what does that look like for us to be faithful to Jesus during this current cultural moment
1: yeah, and uh, you use the word general just now, and I think that brings up just a quick side point I want to address. And, and okay. anything we say, because we're not digging deep into these issues right now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're speaking somewhat in generalizations. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, my friend Bobby Harrington likes to say about generalizations, the trouble with making a general statement, speaking in generalizations, is that you may be heard saying something that you actually aren't saying, mm-hmm. or that you're not yeah. intending to say. Yeah. And so as we speak in general terms, there's always a danger in that because we don't get to actually nuance mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And so uh, general, speaking in general terms uh, is always subject to the potential of, of unintentionally overstating something. And mm-hmm. so uh, we want to be cautious and, hum- and humble in that and maybe we'll return to some of these issues at some point in time in another podcast to yeah. talk through some things like this. But. Um, yeah you know,
0: you know, and uh, let me just plug yeah. in that too and we we say it often in the comment in the end of the show mm-hmm. that if you have specific questions about yeah, any of this uh, if you ever want to send those in to us like we'd love to respond to that and yeah. uh, potentially feature that on a podcast at some point
1: but if there's yeah, anything that for know, sure
0: provoked questions please feel free to share that with us mm-hmm. we'd love to hear that Mm-hmm. Sorry. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: so, so to the question of, um, you know, I think, what does faithfulness look like? I just want to read to you from the end of First Thessalonians, chapter mm-hmm. one. Um, this is what the apostle Paul says the Thessalonian Christians were being commended for. Mm-hmm. And again, remember, they were standing out as a model. For so many other churches, as Paul is saying, the believers everywhere are hearing about the yeah. way you're living under pressure, and it's inspiring them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to live under pressure as well. So, so we need to be willing to say yes to living for God under pressure, because it will be something that inspires others. Mm-hmm. You know, we often we often bemoan the direction that we feel like culture and churches are heading, and yeah, fine, go ahead and bemoan that. But unless you're willing to stand up yourself and be faithful to God under pressure, don't expect things to change. Mm-hmm. It's when a few stand up that more start to come on board and say, okay, because of your example, we can stand up too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and by stand up, I don't mean stand up in hateful ways. And we're gonna talk about yeah. this in just a minute. It is, it's again, we stand up in, lo- in ways that are faithful to the message of God. We stand in ways that show love to others and we stand up in ways that always reflect the hopefulness that we have because of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So we we're able to hopefully endure just about anything. So, so again, this is what Paul says at the end of uh, the, the the first chapter of First Thessalonians. He says, "They tell, speaking of the others that we're talking mm-hmm. about the, the Thessalonian uh, Christians and their model. They tell how you turn to God from idols." Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think there's this first piece. We we've got to turn from whatever is an idol.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, I think. Uh, Christian nationalism can be an idol. Mm -hmm. Christian progressivism can become an idol. Mm -hmm. It's anything that stands in the way of God actually being God. Yeah. Right? My desire to want to embrace my own feelings about everything instead of be faithful to God. You know, again, postmodern ethic allows us to determine that feelings are king, right? However you feel about something is what's most important. Um, No as a christ follower it's not what you feel in fact what you feel is sometimes the enemy of being faithful so you shouldn't be asking how do i feel about this not that that's not important on some level because feeling brings about a self-awareness here's where i know i'm still struggling i'm still falling short but we're surrendering our feelings and faithfulness to god mm-hmm. right so that we do then the things that he's asking us to do that's what faithful living looks like so whatever it was so they turned to god from idols Our idols may may be differently, you know we're not carving idols out of wood anymore most of us, but it doesn't mean we don't have idols. Mm -hmm. So what is an idol? So turn from that idol to serve the living and true God. So they turned so they could serve. Mm -hmm. Turn from idols to the living and true God. I mean that's what they did. They knew that truth and life could be found in God and God alone. Mm -hmm. So they turned from whatever it was that was offering them maybe a substitute truth or a substitute life and turned to God. knowing that only life and truth could be found in him and so here's where I I landed the the message for this week um, with this encouragement and this kind of challenge again we're gonna come back to the idea of faith and hope and love right Mm -hmm. so -hmm. in everything we do I mean this, this is a hard call I know it's true but in everything we do as as followers of Jesus who find ourselves under pressure from the culture around us sometimes I mean, we're being squeezed from both sides. As we're finding ourselves under pressure, we need to lead. We need to lead mm-hmm. with faith that expresses itself in the way we work. So work, right? That, mm-hmm. that is connected to the faith that we mm-hmm. have. Um, you know, we need to lead in a way then that, um, that is prompted by love that we have for others and that then shows, the, the, reflects the hope that we have that then is lived out in the the way that we endure whatever it is that we're up against. You know, I, we often want to be um, speaking the truth may make you feel like a warrior from time to time. I mean, it's going to because you're going to stand up and it's going to be you're going to have to be tough. <laughs> um, speaking the truth in love is going to make you feel like someone who, yes, as a warrior possesses strength, but also, I mean, think about when we talk about Jesus being meek. We never think about Jesus being weak, but we do think about him being meek in the way that he approached things, and we ought to be that way as well. I mean, Paul letter, later in this letter talk about our attempt to live quiet lives, not to be loud and proud on social media in a way that is just obnoxious to others or is offensive to others. But we lead with faith and hope and love in everything we do and a combination of all of those things coming together, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's, it's so easy to be the guy who says, look at me, I'm faithful, but then is not being loving. It's easy on the other side to say, look at me, I'm loving, but then to completely sacrifice faithfulness in the way you're loving. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you know, you know if you don't combine those two, it really is, it's almost impossible to be the one that then endures because of hope. You know, so that's the type of person that Paul is calling all of us to be in the midst of the pressure that, that we're currently facing now.
0: That's really good. So what what might that look like for us this mm. week? When we think of how we can take it, how we can practice yes. this, um, how we can practice something out of this to be faithful to Jesus of uh, what what could that look like this week for us to live a life that is defined by faith hope love
1: yeah I think um, one of my favorite passages that brings us all together is from John 1 14. Mm-hmm. so talking about Jesus John says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth So, for someone who's never considered or contemplated um, kind of practicing faith and hope and love all together, or practicing speaking truth and love together, or being full of grace and truth at the same time, it may be really good just to take some time and to, to meditate upon some of the passages in Scripture, that point us directly to the need to be full of grace and truth, mm-hmm. to speak truth in love, mm-hmm. and ask God. I mean, because this is a God working on our hearts thing. This doesn't happen, this is not a, this happens on my own thing, mm-hmm. you know? So this is asking God to come through the power of the Holy Spirit, make you different. Because I would bet, based upon wiring and personality, most of us are gonna lean one way or another we're either going to lean more toward grace and love, which means if, we're o- if we only have grace and love, then we're going to make compromises for the sake of people mm-hmm. everywhere we go. If we only lead towards truth, then we're going to beat people over the head with that truth everywhere we go. Yeah. But yeah. if we have grace and truth coming together, so I mean, as you're tempted, maybe as you go through this week, uh, we're, we're going to, you know, the cultural pressures are everywhere. Mm -hmm. The cultural pressures come sometimes from other Christians, right? Uh, The cultural pressures will at times come from uh, family members. Mm -hmm. The cultural pressures will come from someone you don't know who says something. The cultural pressures will come as you see a post on Facebook uh, that you want to respond to. Whatever your response is, make sure that somehow as you go through, let's say you're typing a response out on Facebook and maybe maybe the, the right thing to do to embrace truth and love together uh, or grace and truth together is not to respond to that Facebook post at all and find a way to have a comment or you know have a, have a conversation with somebody instead of just making a comment uh, mm-hmm. about somebody. Um, but, but whatever the case is, scrutinize yourself and ask the question, is this response full of both grace and truth? Yeah. Now I'll, I'll be honest about That's myself. Good. I tend to I tend to lead toward the responses that embrace truth more than grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that is the way I'm wired. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I'm probably the opposite yeah. in the way I'm <coughs> wired of leaning more toward the side of grace than truth at yeah. times. And it's that's a good that's a good reminder. You know, and it brings up another. Together.
1: It brings up another thing, and in, in being aware of of others as, as well. You know, so if I know I lean toward grace and you know you lean toward truth and I am weighing a response, yeah, 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 right, other way around. If I know (laughs) I lean toward truth and you lean toward grace, um, the other, you know, if I know that's the case and I am weighing a response to someone, Mm -hmm. why not seek out a brother or sister who you know tends to think about something in a certain way, who tends Mm -hmm. to come from the grace Mm -hmm. angle? or seek mm-hmm. out a brother or sister who tends to come from the truth angle, mm-hmm. depending upon where you find. What we probably do there as well is normally, if I'm thinking about a response and I am more truth-centered kind of naturally, who do I go to ask advice from? Somebody else who is more truth-centered as well. Yeah. Because I know you're likely to confirm yeah. my feelings, my response, my tact or lack mm-hmm. of it, right? Mm-hmm. So find somebody who is wired differently from you but holds the same values you Mm, do. That's good. And in that, I think we'll learn to balance each other. And and, and in the the end, this is a body of Christ thing. It's Mm -hmm. not just Mm -hmm. an individual Christian thing. It's also a body of Christ thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. I love that. Man, that's a great that's a great call for this week is to be full of grace and truth to use that filter as we're making our making decisions and going right. through our days. Well, we thank y'all for joining us. Uh, next week, we'll continue with this conversation, that's right. and we'll be in part two. Uh, do you know what part of Thessalonians we will be? Yeah, in? so we're just
1: next going week? chapter by chapter for, okay. the, for the whole series. So awesome. we'll be in chapter two the next week, three the next week, and so so you can uh, you can read ahead and know where we'll be. Uh, as we go week by week. Yeah,
0: very cool. Yeah, so maybe spend some time reading over uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 and uh, be ready for next week and we'll see you all again then.
1: Yeah, God bless you as you live under pressure.